This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Malo with Harvey and Joe. We're here until 10. Dennis Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN in New York. Hey, Gordon, how are you? Larry, how are we feeling tonight, my friend? I'm feeling great, and that question from Max Kellerman is an interesting one. I want to know what you think about that. He wanted to know who is the who do you have more confidence in in winning a game at quarterback, Tua or Herbert? Now, Gordon, I'll go first. Yeah. Before this season, no question. I would have said Herbert. <laughs> this season with Tyreek Hill, give me Tua, baby. Give me Tua. Well, that's a big game for Tua this week because it was not just the Dolphins' loss last week. It felt like he really regressed to the guy he was last year. It was the first signs of that this season. So, uh, yeah, big game. Uh, I don't think it's interesting he did not ask who's the better quarterback because I think that would be a landslide. (laughs) But when you put in the, the, uh, the equation of the team around him, that all of a sudden makes it a debate. But to be honest with you, Gordon, I don't think I don't think Herbert has recovered from, and we've said it over and over again. I'm sorry, I don't think he's recovered from playing through that injury in, the, in week one. He's not been the same quarterback. You know, one of these years, the Chargers are going to be a healthy team, right? Like you figure, there's years every team has it where you just have a ton of injuries and there's nothing you can do. It no rhyme or reason to it. It feels like that's the Chargers every single season. They're always hurt. If they could just get a little bit of good health luck and not get so many guys hurt every single year, I think that they're a team that's, you know, deep, and um, they certainly have the quarterback, I think, that can win playoff games. But, um, yeah, we'll see this Sunday. That's a big game for uh, the Dolphins and for the Chargers. I mean, if, you know, Chargers Definitely. are one of those teams kind of lingering there. Yeah. And, they could, and this is right around the time where teams start to get together and start to go on a little bit of a run. You might have had a bad season up until week 14, but this is getting to be, you know, rubber hits the road time. This is, this is the best time of the year if you're an NFL fan and your team is in it because this is, like you said, this is where you start to really put some things together. Two important games for the local teams this week, Jets and Giants. And Gordon, on paper, you would say these could be two losses for both these teams. I get what happened with the Jets and the Bills previously. I get that. But still understanding that Buffalo has circled this game, I'm sure, on their calendar for revenge, and this game is in Buffalo. And obviously the Giants, who need to get back on the winning track here, facing a very, very talented Philadelphia Eagles team. This is a big week, Gordon, for both local teams, and we'll start with the Giants. Yeah, well, look, I think it just combined between Jets and Giants, you'd be hard-pressed to find a week this year where both were combined underdogs by the amount of points that they are. Yep. Right, I mean, between yep. the Giants being uh, down a touchdown and, and, and the Jets, I don't know what the la- latest line there is, nine, nine and a half, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's significant. So, yeah, both with big challenges. And it's funny, the, the Jets are the heavier underdogs, but it feels like the Giants have the far tougher task. And I think the fact that the Giants are home, that skews that number. If they were in Philly, we'd probably oh, be 10. Oh, no question. No we question. But 11. you just talk about teams. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. It might be. Well, here's what the Giants head coach Brian Dable has been talking about, and his eyes are set on his quarterback counterpart. That is Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I got a lot of respect for Jalen. Tremendous person, first and foremost. Highly competitive, extremely smart, great leader. Reason why he's probably at the top of the list for MVP right now. Playing with a great team. Go on and on about Jalen. It means a lot to me. 
Brian, let's talk about the uh, Eagles. What do you see from them? Everything. Their defensive line, their receivers, their quarterback, their offensive line. I mean, their offensive line is as good as it gets. Starts with Kelsey. Gets everything set. Just been a fantastic player for a really long time. I think Jalen is is operating at an extremely high level. And throw AJ, Devontae, you know, Quez got injured there. We'll see where he's at. The running game is really good. Their defense, their corners, their line. I mean, they can rush the pattern. There's a reason why they're eleven and one. They're a well-rounded team. You know, Gordon, we can talk a lot about we can talk a lot about quarterback play in the National Football League, and we do. And there's no better example of that than the Philadelphia Eagles. What Jalen Hurts has become from just being a guy who ran the football, can't throw it, you know, completion percentage, not great, uh, no trust in his arm, uh, to be what he has come to be this year. I mean, it's like, it's not even the same quarterback, Gordon. I don't know who this guy is compared to the Jalen Hurts previously. Yeah, and it just shows you, you know, so many times when we focus on quarterbacks and we focus on the draft and we focus on players, we think that they're somehow this finished product when they come in. That it, It's all mm. about them, right? This guy was a bust. This guy was a star. As if Patrick Mahomes would have been a star anywhere. Maybe he would have been, but you'd also have to say as talented as he is, he went to maybe the best situation in yeah. the league, a talented team that made the playoffs the year before, a coach who knows how to work with quarterbacks. That's all part of the equation. So I think what you've seen, we talked about Miami a little bit earlier. I think Philadelphia is another good example of not just picking a quarterback and drafting a quarterback. It's surrounding that quarterback with as many weapons as you can. No question about it. And when you talk about Patrick Mahomes, he didn't have to start right away, Gordon. He he had a chance to sit and watch a veteran quarterback work and be on the scout team and not have that pressure. And as you mentioned, he joined a team that was already good. You know, yep. when you get drafted high as a quarterback, usually you're going to a team that's pretty bad. <laughs> Baker Mayfield knows it. Zach Wilson knows it. Uh, a number of quarterbacks. There are exceptions, but a number of quarterbacks, you don't have that opportunity where you're surrounded by a lot of talent and pressure is placed on you and you have to produce right away. Yeah, no question. Uh, and uh, some guys get swallowed up by it. And, and look, you know, there's some examples of guys being able to overcome it. Josh Allen is a perfect example, mm-hmm. guy who certainly did not look – um, like a franchise quarterback early on, but he improved. The team improved. They put weapons around him. They go out and make the trade for Diggs, and and uh, you know the, now they're Super Bowl contenders again this year, and and that's really their goal this year. That, that is the blueprint. That's the way every team wants to do it, but very few teams are able to do it that way. <laughs> that's for sure, because you you normally don't have that opportunity. You're absolutely right. So. Saquon Barkley, a lot of conversation about him, Gordon, offensively, and and look, we understand that the Giants have to make some decisions. They have to make some decisions about Daniel Jones. They have to make some decisions about Saquon Barkley. I think the decision for Daniel Jones is easy. You're going to bring him back, whether you give him a one-year deal, two-year franchise him, give him a two-year deal, whatever you go do, you're going to bring him back because right now the way you've gone with your record in the season you've had, which is <laughs> far superior to what anybody thought, you're not going to get a really good quarterback in, in the draft where you are right now. You're going to be in the middle of the road, so you'll bring him back. Saquon Barkley is a different issue, and I think what's happened is where folks were really happy about him and were thinking about, hey, you know what, let's offer him a deal the way he was for the first couple of weeks. Now that teams have schemed him out of things, they've made it very tough for him, and his the second half last week, Gordon, was very tough for Saquon Barkley. What do you have, three carries for seven yards, something like that, in yeah. the second half? It wasn't good. So now the question becomes – would he be used in the pass game? So first, let's hear from the Giants offensive coordinator. He is Mike Kafka. And he was asked, why hasn't Saquon been involved in the pass game more? 
each week, you know, we, we talk about those things and how we can get them in the, in the most ideal premier look. And probably hasn't just shown up as much as we probably like to, but you know, those things present themselves each, each and every week, and that's what we that's what we look for as a staff, how we can get those things done over and over and over again. So, so that's part of our evaluation process on the week to week. All right, Saquon, would you like to be used in the past game more? I don't know. I'm really not too caught up in that. I'm willing to do whatever the team wants me to do. And, you know, when the opportunity presents itself, I got to try to be there and make the plays. And that's the only thing I can really focus on. But Cavs, Daves, all those guys every week find creative ways to not only get myself the ball, but put our offense in a, in a spot to be successful. And that's the only thing that matters. And at the end of the day, on players, we got to go out there and execute. And that's the only, you know, that's my main focus. For me, Gordon, it's no question. He needs to be involved in the pass game more. He is really your home run hitter on this team. Yes, you've gotten some some nice contributions from a couple of other players, but Gordon, he's the most consistent guy that you're putting the ball in his hands. And if the Giants are going to have a chance to beat Philadelphia Sunday, they have to do so with more offense. They've got to find a way to keep Jalen Hurts in that offense on the sideline. And for that, you need long drives and seven points. Yeah, and I think what you've seen here is the end results uh, a little bit of the Giants' reliance on Saquon Barkley because he is the offense, right? So they mm. have ridden him very hard this season. They've uh, relied on him to kind of carry the load, and it's getting harder for him to carry the load. Teams are focusing on him more, and I think he's starting to wear down a little bit. Yeah. You take a look, uh, you know, the, the Washington game, even it goes, it goes to overtime, he had 63 yards rushing. He had an yeah. average of 3.5 a carry. He had 3.5 a carry against Dallas. Against Detroit, he had 22 total yards. Uh, against Seattle, he only had 50 yards. So I think what you're seeing is, that, you know, the Giants, it, it makes sense, right? He's your best playmaker. He might be your only playmaker <laughs> to, to ride him and early and often, but I think you're starting to see the end result of that as he is starting to wear down, even in a contract year where he's trying to put up, you know, as big a numbers as he can. Yeah, and he was limited today in practice because he's battling some injuries too. And, of course, as you know, that doesn't help. And that's a byproduct, as you mentioned, Gordon, of being the really sole person that's really consistent on this Giants offense. Uh, he's taking a lot of load. Listen, he's had a really good season, Gordon. We're not taking anything away from him. Don't know what it means. I guess at this point, would you franchise him for a year? I, I, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I mean, what else are you going to do? Who? who, who who else are you going to get to come here to take that next step for you to be a big-time home run hitting offense? Well, it kind of depends on where do the Giants see themselves in this equation. Are, mm -hmm. are they still looking at this as, you know what, we're starting from scratch? Or do they think, you know what, you know, we got the, you know, they have all these wins early on in the season. We're feeling good about where we are. It's just more of a tweak here or there. We're, we can get back into the playoffs. Even if we miss it this year, we can get back into the playoffs next year with a little bit of health luck, a couple of talented players here or there, a couple of skill position players. It kind of depends on where they view themselves in this whole equation. Because I still look at them kind of still as they're at square one. But mm -hmm. the wins that they've gotten this year, maybe that makes them think that they're further along than they are. And you know what? Those wins could be costly for them in their evaluation long term because I think what the biggest thing was done is that they're just coached better. I mean, that, yeah. that's the first thing that jumps out at you. So coaching has given them a, a couple of wins uh, in a weird year in the National Football League. So you've got to be very careful with your evaluation. Gordon, you've got to be very, very honest because you could, you could say, you know what? As you mentioned, hey, listen, we got a guy here and a guy there. Maybe we're not as far back as we thought. Look what Wake Martindale was able to do with our defense. We sure up the secondary a little bit. We get a couple of receivers. You know, remember Odell Beckham Jr. was uh, when when came a calling. So we we get some more some more playmakers. We'll be okay. 
in this division, you got to be very careful and be very honest because it could set you back a number of years. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that with other teams in this town. I feel like the Knicks did that for a very long time where they kind of deluded themselves into thinking they were a lot closer to the playoffs than they were. Uh, you, you have to be very honest in your evaluation of the team, and uh, I guess it will kind of depend on where things wind up this year. It doesn't feel like things are trending in the right direction right now, but if you end up on the outside of the playoffs, even at nine wins, mm. I still think you have to evaluate and say, you know, how much work really still needs to be done on this roster? 1-800. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I, I just don't know if you're going to have any real answers for sure long-term on Daniel Jones. It seems like everybody who's answering about yeah. Daniel Jones is saying, well, we'll sign him for a year or two, right? Mm -hmm. we'll, we're, we're leaving our options open. So it doesn't even seem like the people who are optimistic about the way the season has gone are really have gotten any definitive answers about the way the season's gone. Which is crazy, Gordon, because I don't know with the lack of weapons, how could you really identify exactly. where he That's is? Fair. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's the, considering what he's worked with, he's done pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but then again, he hasn't really had a chance. He, does, he doesn't have folks to throw the football to, so maybe that's why his interceptions are down. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to read it. I don't know how to read it. He's, he's played. He's, here's, here's what I know. He's done what they've asked him to do. He's worked within their offense. They found a way to work with him so that he's comfortable with what they ask him to do. They don't put him in situations and ask him to do things that he can't do, which is, duh, coaching 101. And they're in the position right now that they have a playoff spot in their division. So he's done all he can do. Gordon, he can't do anymore. Yeah, it's tough given the, the hand that he has been dealt this year uh, in terms of the, the skill positions around him. But they're, you know, whether that it's fair or not, the, the organization is going to have to make a decision That's based right. on what they've seen so far. Yeah, it's true. It's true. We're talking Giants with you at 1-800-919-3776. We'll talk Jets a little later. Rich Samini will join us about 830. We'll get some thoughts on how they're looking as they head into Buffalo for a rematch with the Bills. But we'll take your calls next. It's Hardesty and Damer on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. You know what? Uh, A.J. Brown looks really good in an Eagles uniform. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's a big piece to go out and get. And you think the tight? I mean, that might be a reason why the Titans fired their GM <laughs> during the week, really? right? I mean, that yeah. is a big piece to, uh, to be trading away, and it's certainly taking the Eagles' offense to the next level. I mean, they are multifaceted, and uh, you'd have to say right now they're the team to beat in the NFC. No question about it. And for the Giants, you know, they get to face their old guy, James Bradbury, who they could use him in the secondary on this team right now. They just didn't have enough money to sign him. Yeah, I mean, they were just, uh, I mean, they were in a mess of a situation. They just had to get rid of players and didn't even get anything back for them. You know, yeah. that's just the situation that uh, Dave Gettleman left them in, and that's why it was uh, amazing. It is amazing what they've been able to do this season given the fact that they took over a really bad organization, an organization that's been bad for five years at least, and were not able to really make any significant changes to the roster outside of the draft and, and still be able to win as many games as they have. Yeah, they've done a nice job there in Philly, and they are playing very well. They really are. 1-800-919-3776. Off to the phones we go. Matthew's in Brooklyn. Matthew, start us off on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, guys, I just need help with something. I need a little bit of a... Go ahead, Matthew. What, what can we what do? What you got? I won two out of, 
I won two out of those five years. I have a simple rule. I don't take road teams and I don't take the fishing games. But I have to break that rule. Should I take the Raiders tonight or Tennessee on Sunday? Tennessee on Sunday uh, or the Raiders. Look, I'll be honest with you. The Raiders are one of those teams that I just can never seem to get right. Um, So uh, I would stay away from the Raiders. That's not really a a vote in favor of Tennessee, but I guess it kind of is in a roundabout way. But I would not. (laughs) Even as bad as the Rams have been, every time I pick the Raiders or pick against them, I'm always wrong. You know, it's crazy, too, because with, with the Rams situation, the quarterback, Mayfield could come out tonight, and if you take the – because I was looking at that game for cover five. Mm. And and I'm saying – I'm here – I'm like, you know, it's the Raiders and Josh McDaniel, and I have no faith in him as a head coach. If he was no. a coordinator, it would be different. But as a head coach, I mean, I, I could see Baker Mayfield coming out there and lighting them up. <laughs> Given my history with the Raiders, uh, that is very, very possible. So I, I looked at it. I, I, I Now I know listening to the K-Show, well, Aaron Don's Boone – big pick. Yeah, and Aaron Boone took the took the Raiders. No, and he's what nine and three or something like that this I'm year. Not sure, yeah. But he's had a very good record. So I'm just like, ah, no, I think I'll sit this one out. I think I'll wait till Sunday and, and have my misery then. Let me let me have a cool. Let me. Although it would be nice to work and and just work through it. Not have to sit ruin my Sunday. Yeah. Spike is in St. Pete. What's up, Spike? Hey, boys, a little catch-up from yesterday. I was so happy yesterday when they signed Judge, and especially for you, Gordon. I, I, I could, you know, we know each other pretty well. We talk all the time, and uh, I, I could just see a big smile on your face. It had to be done. The way it worked out, he played it uh, pretty close to the vest. But I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him. They made so much money on all this stuff, and he's such a pleasant young man. So uh, then I got the nickname from yesterday. By the way, uh, someone said to me, I don't wage it. I can't anymore in Florida. But they go, um, well, I'm going to tease the Giants and Jets up because the points are so high, which you guys alluded to. So, you know, people like to gamble on this stuff, you know, and it's fun. But uh, they're both up against it this weekend, let's be honest. If one of them wins, I'd be happy. You know, I'm not that big a football guy. So i got to tell you a quick story. So we're retrofitting our home for reasons and caring for somebody. So anyway, Bob, my guy walks in yesterday. Just got him out of the recommendation. And uh, the name of his company is Mr. Grab Bar, G-R-A-B. So we're having a grab bars put in the showers, right? So uh, he walks in, strange-looking guy. I said to my wife, she says, hey, see, 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 see on him. I usually get up, say hello. And she comes over to me, and I have two collectibles. That's all I have. I have the 2000 autographed All-Star Game Jarek Jeter uh, worn uniform. Where he got the MVP and my prize possession, at which this guy's fixated on, he's staring at it for over two minutes. Uh-oh. Is the 1970, 1970, you seen it, Larry? The 1973 Knicks uh, team mm-hmm. signed by everyone who, uh, some of them are no longer with us. Right. And I, I walk in and I got Nick stuff all over the place, and he goes. I said, gee, you like that? He says, where'd you get this? It's one of one 1973. My boys got it for me when I was 60. He says, you know what? That's the way basketball was supposed to be played. Now I got him. Now, you know, half hour later, he, he leaves and he says to me, well, this is an odd duck-looking guy. He says to me, one of the, it was really flattering. He says, one of the perks to my job, he works by himself, is uh, a day like this where I can meet someone like you. I said, what, an old guy? And he laughed. But uh, he, I said, why'd you stop watching? He says he just didn't like, and you'll know where I'm going, when the three-point shot came in, and I said, listen, you know, 
you know, stuff changes in life. But you're right, and my wife, who knows all about that team and seen everything you could imagine, she says, why don't they play it that way anymore? I said, ask Larry and Gordon, they'll tell you. So I'll leave you with this. And I'm not trying to knock Julius Randle, guys. I'm not. He played. He's a stat guy. He played great last night, but I'd love to hear your answer, both of you. I'll catch you over the stream. There's something about him bringing the ball up, whether he's in rhythm and he pulls up for the shot. You know when he's hot and you know when he's not. But there were a half dozen times in that game last night against a depleted Atlanta team. No love lost for them, but that it just stops everything. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong at all, Spike. Thanks for the phone call. We'll talk about the Knicks later. I don't want to talk about the Knicks right now, Gordon. Yeah. I don't want to do it right now. I don't. Um, and and I and I I will finish uh, my conversation with Buddha last night, who tried to ruin my one night with, oh, the, with the Knicks he, winning. He, he called up, couldn't get through, called back just to ruin your night. That's the kind of guy that Buddha is. I, you know. It was just uh, I, I, so I, I will deal with. The, we'll talk about the Knicks a little bit later, right? Now, Gordon, it's too early to talk. Yeah, about. let's let's put that off for as long as possible, please. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. More football calls. Talking Giants with you on ninety eight seven ESPN. This is ESPN New York tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on ninety eight point seven ESPN. Still later in the show, Gordon, we're going to have a little fun. Now, we, and I get to the calls in a minute, we had a uh, little controversial uh, Final Four type tournament on TV themes. Yeah, TV theme songs, right? I think, what, was that two years ago we did that now? I think it was two years, yeah. It's feel, so. it, it feels like a while ago. It and does, we did, you know, does. a field for the, for the NCAA tournament. Yes, yes. And we narrowed it down and, and yes. we, we leave it over, we left it over to uh, the audience and yes. uh, they botched it. Uh, no question, <laughs> no, no, no way around it. But uh, Rolling Stone magazine, the, I mean, come on, you can't have yes. more prestigious, ma- you know, TV. Mm-hmm. They know. They went through and they did the top 100. Wow. Theme songs of all time, Larry. Yes. And uh, they also botched it. So I have the list. <laughs> I'll, I'll question you with them a little bit later on. And, and I'll say this. Yes. Our audience looks a whole lot better right now. They do? Yeah. Do yeah. They now? <laughs> no question. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to do that. That'll be yeah. fun. We'll yeah. have that, that'll, that'll lighten the mood. Anything to keep from talking about next, I'm good for <laughs> <laughs> I'll do. I'll do. What else songs. we got? <laughs> I'll do theme songs. I'm good. Back to the phones. Artie's in Brooklyn. What's up, Artie? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking a call. You know, I was the guy that I knew that they had to put Dwight in, obviously, you know. But um, I still wanted Zach to be because I thought, you know, he's our franchise guy. And the way White played against Chicago, I said, all right, it's the bad defense. The way he played against Minnesota. Now I'm going to come back with this. He played last year with Buffalo, against Buffalo. He threw the three interceptions, the four interceptions, whatever he threw. Okay? If he does the same thing, okay? You know, last year he kept throwing to the, the running backs. He, he, he threw balls to the wide receivers 30 years, 30 yards. Very, I was impressed. But here's the thing. He doesn't have the mobility. He's got to get the, get rid of the ball. If, if he plays a tough defense, my question is against Detroit, do you go back to to Wilson? Does Sally go back to Wilson? And what's the right move? And uh, thanks for taking the call. I appreciate it. All right, Artie. Thanks for the phone call, Gordon. I don't think you go back to him. I, I think, think his I think his rope this year is longer than his rope last year. 
So even if he were to have one really bad game, like if he were to be oh, bad against about Mike the Bills. White. Yeah, Mike White. Okay, yeah, if, gotcha. if he were going to have one really bad game against the Bills like he had last year, I don't think that that's enough. Because this year, I think the team would almost be uh, despondent. Yeah, I think that they might <laughs> mutiny. I, I don't think that yeah. they want – I think the door is closed on Zach Wilson playing meaningful games for the Jets this year. And I get what Robert Sala said, and I understand that he has to say that because it is, you know, still the number two pick in the draft. It's still their – what they perceive as their franchise quarterback. They're not trying to lose him. But keep this in mind, Artie, he's not been benched. He hasn't been activated. Right, he's the third guy. He's deactivated. Right. What could he be learning that way? So even if even so if that is the logical situation, even if Mike White stunk, they would go to Flacco, Gordon. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't really... go to Zach. I mean, I'm, now obviously he could be activated anytime. I get that. But and he's running the scout team. I understand that. But I've covered a lot of locker rooms in my time, and I will tell you. And I've said it before, nothing separates a locker room like a quarterback controversy. And I never saw any Zach F and Wilson t-shirts. Nope. <laughs> I hadn't seen well, that. Well, yeah, maybe. But the, 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 the emphasis was on the, another word, you know? It, it was said in a different way. It was flipped. Yeah. It was flipped. This team loves him. And what's happened is... I don't know whether it's you know. Once again, I know it's the backup quarterback, and he, everybody loves the backup quarterback. But on the on the other side of that, Gordon, and I think Dan Olowski made a great point on the K show because you're the backup, you have to do that much more work because you don't get to play on Sunday. So what you show your team during the week, what you show that hard work, how to get involved with people, all those things, that carries extra weight. So plus, I mean, even when he struggled in the first half last week, in the second half you still felt that the Jets had a chance to win that game. In oh, the second yeah. half, you still, Absolutely. you still felt that. You, even mm-hmm. though he doesn't mm-hmm. move, even though he doesn't run around the pocket, he doesn't have the mobility, you are correct. But what he does have is he has the touch that Zach Wilson does not have, Gordon. And, I, and I'll say it again, where he leads, leads the running backs out of the backfield. They get it in stride. He hits open receivers for the most part. You know, not missing what, cutting it short or bouncing it for wide open receivers. He looks like a better quarterback in this offense than what Zach Wilson did. And unfortunately, you're still in the middle of a playoff chase. Even if you lose to Buffalo Sunday, you still have a shot at the postseason. It gets tougher, but you still have a shot because you've got some winnable games left. It's not going to be easy with Detroit, but that's a winnable game. It's more winnable than Buffalo. And I think even Seattle is more winnable than Buffalo. So you still have a shot, even if you lose on Sunday. So I don't see him coming back. I just don't. Yeah, I think he could have a similar – I'm not expecting him to have a similar game, but I think he could have a similar game to that, and I think he would still – as he had last year against Buffalo, and he would still be the guy because I think he still gives you your best chance to win games right I do. now. And, and I think the other – the flip side of it – I think the team would be demoralized a little yeah. bit if they went back to Zach Wilson. That's just the read you get from watching guys. I mean, again, when Mike White got out there, it was like they were free. They've yeah. been released. Yeah. <laughs> they could enjoy playing football again, and that was not the case when Zach Wilson was in there. It's scary. It's almost like, and this is looking from the outside in, Gordon, it's almost like, oh, we can use this part of the playbook now. 
mm-hmm. because Mike White is here. Also, all the fun stuff we couldn't do. Now we could do this part. And like I said earlier, I never saw that we talked about it a lot. They ran hurry up up tempo offense with Mike White. They didn't run up tempo offense with Zach Wilson. Nope. They never did. So he's got a better command. Apparently, he's got a better command of the offense. Now, whether it's because he was on the scout team or whatever, they just seem to be more confident in what he can do with the passing game. Now, the other side of that is sometimes they might be too confident what he can do with the passing game, and they do need to run the football a little bit more, especially up in Buffalo, Gordon, because God knows what that weather's going to be like Sunday. Yeah, uh, that is true. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if if he if, if if Mike White were to have a bad game, would there be uh, any pushback on it? Because mm-hmm. you know Zach Wilson played well against the the Bills that game. He did. You know, he, he, yeah. um, he played well in that game. But mm-hmm. um, it, it feels like that the tide has turned, and it's very tough to get the tide back the other way, uh, especially when you're the third. You know, you're inactive for games. Inactive, not number two inactive. Ira's in Staten Island. What's up, Ira? Hey, Larry. What's happening, Gordon? How are you? And uh, happy holiday season to both of you. Um, you no, I think the Zach Wilson book, I think the Wilson book is closed. At least in my mind it is. Um, Mike White's auditioning for next year's starting job. And I think he's going to go up to Buffalo. I think he's going to play a good game. Uh, I, I think it's going to be tough to win. I think they're going to have their shots. We'll see. I mean, what he showed me in the second half of that Viking game, I haven't seen from a Jet quarterback in a long time. He had composure. He missed some people, yeah. But when he got decked and then he came right back and hit Corey Davis on that big fourth down play, that was a big-time throw. And they have opened up the playbook more for this guy. The teammates rallied around him. There's more chemistry. Uh, to me, right now, I, I don't know what Mike White's going to turn into but he, to me, reminds me of a poor man's Chad Pennington at this stage of his career. Mm. Very similar, limited mobility, smart with his distribution of the ball, hits his players in stride for the most part, except last week he missed a couple. But at, at the end of the day, they might have found, they might have just stumbled into a quarterback. And as for Zach Wilson, you know what? Go back to his BYU days. There was a reason he wasn't named the team captain by his teammates. And the leadership qualities are probably not there. And it's evident that these players have rallied around uh, Mike White. And I'll I tell you the truth, last year's Bills game, that is so overrated on White's performance. Because in the first half of that game, I forget the exact score, but it, the game was still a game before the half. He hits a, a big-time throw, once again, to Corey Davis. He gets it. Somewhere near the Bills 20 as a, the uh, halftime's closing out, but he fumbles. And what happens, either the Bills scored or they got the, bill, the ball to start the second half, then the game was out of hand, and then LaFleur just started flinging the ball over the field, and White was not prepared to do that. And that's how he got himself into trouble. But that was still a, a, a game that they could have hung around with if Davis didn't fumble before the end of the half. It's an interesting point, Ira. Thanks for the phone call. And, Gordon, it takes me back to, to um, something that Dan Orlovsky said on the K-Show today, and that was how he is not – you look at what the play calling was, and that's why it's you really have to look at your OC in moments like this, okay? Uh, Orlovsky was saying, you know, he hadn't been – Mike White had not been in a three-minute, a two-minute drill on the road, tough environment – and 
there's things that you can do where you there's a wide opening you could run you can do some things and he just wasn't prepared to do that from an experience standpoint and Gordon that's why when you have inexperienced quarterback play that's why you need your OC to be right on point and understand okay here's some of the play call you have to take some of that pressure off your young quarterback whether it's Wilson whether it's White because of the lack of experience that they have in those situations okay call a running play call a keeper you know what I'm saying? Go and do something where he's not just going back to just looking into the end zone, looking into, we got to throw it in the end zone, we got to throw it in the end zone, we got to throw it in the end zone. When, when you had time left, you still had time. Yeah. Uh, and, and another part of it is, is that I, I'm sure that the guys, the team does like Mike White a lot, but it seems like a lot of it is that they really do not like Zach Wilson. Yeah. And I'm usually not one to buy in. Oh, he wasn't team captain or this thing or that thing. I think there's a lot to be. Yeah, I think that actually is a, is meaningful in this case because it adds you up. see, the, yeah, I, it definitely does. And I remember hearing that around draft time. I was like, yeah, you know, I don't know, you know, who knows all the ins and outs of that team? I'm not watching BYU on a Saturday, but <laughs> it does feel like that uh, that is uh, actually something that was important at the time, and and some of us missed it. It's going to be very interesting at the end of uh, going into next season and this off season what the Jets do. Because they have some decisions to make at quarterback. I mean, I don't think Mike White is the long-term answer. I don't know. I yeah, mean, you know, I agree. I don't, know. Yep. I don't think he is. Uh, I'm not sure what Zach Wilson is at this point. I don't know. And, and the big thing would be, how does he bounce back from this? Once again, this is not a benching. This is a deactivation. Yeah. And for me, that's a huge statement. That's a big difference. Because you prepare, Gordon, you prepare as the backup like you could play. He's not preparing like he could play. He's not active. <laughs> he right. knows and he's it, not playing. And, it, you know, it would be one thing if he ticked off um, guys who are, you know, longtime vets uh, who are on short-term deals. He, I mean, it seems like he's kind of ticked off guys who are foundational pieces. That you, you, the reasons you feel excited about the Jets, Garrett Wilson mm-hmm. and Elijah Moore. I mean, that, it seems like that's a big part of it as well. It wasn't just like one guy here or there. It feels like the whole team has uh again they like Mike White but it feels like they really don't like Zach Wilson. It's going to be an interesting situation. 1-800-919-3776. We'll come back and take more calls next on 987 ESPN. This is ESPN New York tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. There's a lot of folks, and I know Buddha's one. There's a number of folks. And even I thought that Justin Fields would have been the better quarterback to take. Uh, my, my thought process at the time, we'll get to the calls in a second, was based on competition. I felt the mm-hmm. competition he faced was better. And I thought because he was a little taller quarterback, because really their stats were kind of comparable when you mm-hmm. looked at them side by side. But because he was a little taller quarterback and I thought he might be just a smidge more athletic, that he might be the better choice between the two. Now, the jury's still out because, you know, I can't I really can't judge what I've seen from him because that offense has been abysmal. Last year was a joke. It's a little better this year, but he doesn't exactly have a bunch of weapons either. So it's really hard to gauge, but I I, I kind of I, I was leaning more towards Justin Fields than Zach Wilson. I got to be honest, I, I, I don't really remember that I felt strongly about um, either of them. Um, I, I mean, I didn't see Zach Wilson play in college, so it's kind of hard to have uh, that strong of a feeling like, oh, he has to be the guy. And it felt like um, that it was 
it did seem like it was going to be uh, Justin Fields at that pick until the pro day, and Zach had the throw from his back fall, look at his arm and everything else. Uh, and then it seemed pretty clear that they were going with Zach Wilson. And I would disagree with Mel on one thing. Uh, he said if, if Mike White um, you know, fails or whatnot, they go back to Zach. I think at the end of the season, if Mike White fails, the Jets do not have the quarterback on their roster. They don't. I don't know that they still do. Even yeah. if he's even yeah, if he's I mean, successful, Gordon, yeah, he may not, still may not be the guy. But I do think that what you'd have to do is you'd have to bring in a veteran guy. Uh, you know, obviously Jimmy G would have been the, the leader in the clubhouse, but now with the ankle, you, you don't know how that's going to go. Mm. But I think you need to bring in a veteran, and you bring back Mike White, and you bring back Zach Wilson, and you, you let him fight out for it. Who's going to be the one? Let me ask you this. If you're mm-hmm. the Jets, after the season's over, right, and either you made the playoffs and you got knocked out right away or you um, didn't make the playoffs, however that goes, you don't have a deep run into the playoffs is my point, and you're looking for a quarterback. Would you have interest in Aaron Rodgers? Yes. Because a lot of Jet fans, I think, might feel I like, would. oh, we did this already with Brett Favre. It was a failure. I'm not going down that road again. I, I don't you, see how you could turn it down. You got Listen, Olavsky threw Tom Brady's name and out, threw it out there. Yeah. Now, I, I don't mean, know if I'm willing to go that way. I don't know if I'm yeah. willing to go that far because of the age. Yeah, that's the but, thing. But Aaron Rodgers – you give me Aaron Rodgers with these young receivers, Gordon. That's if he, what I'm saying. Gordon, if he had Garrett Wilson right now, they'd be they'd be better than what they are. Yeah, just Garrett and, Wilson and de- right now. You know, this is this is what the Packers' defense was supposed to be this year, and has exactly. not turned out to be that. It's um, not turned yeah, out. I think no. the, the skill positions are uh, far better with the uh, the Jets than they are with Green Bay. Oh yeah, there's no question. So no, you give yeah, I'll take Aaron Rodgers, and listen, and I'll have Zach and Zach Wilson can sit, and maybe he'll listen to him. <laughs> right, right. I just think that the page is turned on on Zach. Yeah, but it's hard. Now, I, I would. I'm going to be honest with you. I would have agreed with you before I saw the season that Geno Smith is having. <laughs> yeah, I know. But like, like, would Geno have had that anywhere, or did he have to find the right? You know, like that's what I'm saying. Like before, it has to be the right thing, and maybe Geno had to learn some along the way. Right? Yeah. He had to mature some along the way. Yeah. I don't think that you could just say, you know what, Gino would have done this no matter where and no matter what the situation was. I think it's the right situation, and he's at the right time, and everything kind of meshed. I just don't see that happening for Zach here. Well, that's why it's going to be interesting and important to see how this young man bounces back from that because this is for a guy who was the number one quarterback, who was number two overall in the draft, this is – if you've got an ego – and from some of the post-game comments, he has an ego. <laughs> How do you bounce back from this, Gordon? Yeah, it takes sure. a lot of work. How do you yeah. bounce back from this? You know, it's, this is not easy to do for a young kid who's had success. He's, he's been successful, successful everywhere he's gone. And think about what a misread of the entire situation this is for the Jets. That not yeah, only 20 games in are you deactivating the, the second overall pick in the draft, but you're doing this for a guy who your own organization released three times. That's right. Yep. Wow, that's a, big, that's a big swing and a miss. And, you know, other quarterback busts. I was kind of going through it, you know, Ryan Leaf or Jamarcus Russell. There was not mm-hmm. another quarterback that the teams really could have taken there right. uh, and been okay. That's not the case with the Jets. Yeah. They had options. They had options. And then, as I said the other night, going to further illustrate this, I mean, how did you not pull him out of that New England game? 
I mean, if you're benching, yeah. if you've bench, if you've deactivated him now, and I guess maybe that went a long way towards the decision, decision to deactivate right. him. But I mean, in hindsight, I mean, they had that game. He had right. to have thought about it. Yeah, that that game, it was right. That game was there for the taking. And if you win that game, think about how different the whole playoff picture is right now. Yeah. Right. You get one more win. Now you really don't have to worry about the Patriots as much. They're tied with you. They're tied right. with Miami. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The division is still right there. It's not just about the playoffs. So, yeah, it's, it's amazing how things can change on, on such little things, right? Like that one game, that one play, one pick. Oof. Yeah. It's, it, but it's this year in the National Football League, Gordon, and it's been a crazier year than ever. I mean, you look at these divisions. I mean, the whole – at this and I don't know what's going to happen. I, obviously, I don't think New England can get in, but I'm not going to say anything yet. But you could look at the whole AFC East could be in the postseason. <laughs> could be. Could be. You know, and same thing with the NFC East. Yeah. The whole that NFC East Miami could be in the postseason. It, you know? No, Miami's don't not go and no, take a nosedive no, this weekend no, against stop, the Chargers. Stop. You know that's not happening. They're not happening. Nah, it's not going to happen. This is right around the time it usually happens. Yeah, Mid December. The- ruining yeah. Christmas. I know, but you didn't have promo code Gordon? <laughs> <laughs> I, might, I might have a little sprinkle. I might have a little sprinkle, Larry. <laughs> 1-800-919-3776. We'll continue the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN.